Welcome. Along with me. Oh, gnarly! Oh my God, I shot my eye out. These guys are eleven. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And if someone tells me you've always known something was wrong and holds out two pills, I'm taking both of them. Probably before any explanations are given. (laughs) If you take the blue pill. (laughs) (laughs) A red one, too. Mm. (laughs) What would happen? Or is there any reason he should not take the blue pill? Let me know right now. (laughs) Pills, baby. I want to take the brown pill. Is that an option? No, then you're eating poop. Mm. Joel's a poop eater. Is it chocolate flavor? Sometimes, I guess. Uh, Welcome to the quality you're expecting from this show. Yes, talking about the Matrix from the Wachowskis from 1999's first movie uh, to the 2021 release that just came out like two, three weeks ago. Yeah, brand new. We're going to get our Patrick's going to do the entire show in bullet time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to do the entire show in black leather. Whoa. I'm going to do the entire (laughs) show in sunglasses. I'm going to eat pills. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, so uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you have another idea for a show, something you can do, give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708 669 9727. And also join us on our Discord by clicking the join us link or copy pasting that into a browser and get on that uh, chat with us. Currently, currently, we're talking about the Beavis and Butthead remake reboot and continuation. the, yeah, the continuation. Yeah. And then uh, also Toast of Tinseltown, Stephen Toast uh, movie's uh, show with uh, Matt Berry is another thing we're discussing right now. So You know, it's interesting with the Discord chat because the more things get segregated into like specific categories where people can talk about certain things in certain places, I keep thinking, yeah, add another channel, we're going to get less chatter. You add another channel, we seem to get more chatter. It's mm-hmm. bizarre. Well, yeah, because like if someone's not, interested in video games and i brought up a video game topic or we're talking about D and someone barely has anything to say they're just like okay i'm not participating in the discord right now yeah. but if that's segregated to its own area and they could just go and talk about beer or music or whatever general nostalgia books we, we have maybe a channel or two more than we need but like we use them all yeah Except i think it was a channel. good idea yeah we have one just on shoes and clothes and there's a there's a chatter on that too Right? I never thought my fans would be showing off their shoes to me, but I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. If you if you guys haven't been there, seriously, join us. It's fun. Swing on by. Yeah, and we also have a show ideas chat. So if you have ideas, yep. you can drop them in there and, you know, everybody kind of tips in and gives their ideas. So, yeah, get out there. Hurrah. Yeah, get on Discord before they ruin it. Yes. Because it can't possibly remain this good. No, I th- did Microsoft buy them yet? Uh-oh. No, no, there there are talks about buyout, but like it's so huge and so many people are using it. What I'm saying is it is inevitable that whoever they are, someone will ruin it. It cannot always stay this good. Mm-hmm. And Danny oh, well. DeVito, too. So in the meantime, I think it's about that time. It is. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Whoa. And the sports. All right, so this week we're going with March 24th, 1999, the release of the original Matrix. 
All right. So music, the number one song in the land was Believe by Cher. <clears throat> you, you don't believe? I disagree, but I don't like the song enough to argue about it. It makes me like, think when I was working at Trader Joe's, it was like after Christmas and we had a case of the, you know, those holiday rum cakes uh-huh. that they overordered on. So we just cut up a bunch of rum cakes and let them, mm-hmm. everybody was going around eating rum cake. There was one dude who I worked with who had an amazingly low tolerance for alcohol. And he ate probably three quarters of a rum cake. And then I found him in the aisle facing the shelves singing, singing Believe to a can of soup. Huh. That was fun. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> well, Do say you what you will. Chunky clam chowder. No. Uh, say what you will about Cher, though. You got to give her some credit for having a career that has spanned literally decades. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is... I. As I've expressed several times on several episodes, I am not a fan of auto-tune, and this is a song that features auto-tune, so it can go in the closet and suck an egg. It kind of was the first song that featured auto well, on a big yeah, scale. Yeah, it was like the biggest hit yeah. that featured auto-tune. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the song either. Hit, yeah. 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 I, w- I would rather chew tinfoil inside my Chipotle burrito yeah. than listen to this. Yeah. And it was, it was I don't hate it that much, that, but yeah. It was new enough for me that the auto-tune part of it was actually interesting and was like... Maybe not a plus, but definitely not a negative. It was like, okay, this is something that sounds a little weird that I haven't heard before, especially not in a mainstream pop song. And at the time, it was different. And that's why I said, like, like I don't hate it, but it's one of those, like, eh, I kind of like it. Yeah, see, I pretty, I knew pretty much early on, as soon as auto-tune became a thing, I was like, yeah, don't like that. See, Patrick's got the gift. Yep. When he knows something, he hears something, I know I'm going to hate that. I can immediately quantify whether I hate or love it. <laughs> Haven't figured me out yet. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. You're, you're, you're my Napoleon died my enigma. You know, like. I'm trying to think because I think you've occasionally switched uh, opinions on stuff. Maybe not all the way from love to hate, but from hate to, okay, I guess it was fine. Yeah, I, I have done that. That's I think with this show, all of us have had a little bit of flip-flopping on a couple things here and there. Sure. Leave the I boy have. in the well. <laughs> all right, so Amazed was released by Lone Star on March 22nd, and it was later named Billboard Song of the Year for 1999. The following day, Living La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin was released and went on to sell over 8 million copies. What's funny is I kind of believe Living La Vida Loca is the reason I don't remember Amazed. Like, I remember that Amazed existed, but I can't, like, for the life of me, I can't remember how it went. And I think that's Ricky Martin's fault. Baby, I'm amazed by you. Is that uh, it? Yeah. That, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not okay, doing anything okay. for me. Yeah, I, I still don't remember. I'm outside, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it sounds upside, almost country-ish. Out. Yeah, I, okay, I know yeah. the song. About. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's, Every it's time a, I ask me. Yep. Every time I leave. Yeah, oh, yep. see, yeah, now I know it. Yeah. I, I just I need Patrick I to sing remember it. it. Okay. Yeah. Living La Vida Mocha. Yeah, it's gone again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that case, moving on. The 1999 Soul Train Music Awards were held on March 26th, <laughs> honoring the best in R&B, soul, rap, jazz, and gospel music from the previous year. The show was hosted by Tyra Banks, Brian McKnight, and Monica. Winners included Quincy Jones, R. Kelly, Psst, and Lauren Hill. It's a soul train. That's right. I enjoyed man. soul train. Me too, man. I used to love yeah. that show. I remember that used to come on like in later in the evening on the UHF station, and I'd be like, "Oh, what's this? That's cool." 
And that, I that remember too. it would like mark the end of Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I wouldn't turn the TV off because it was always just fascinating to watch these people dance. And I was like, man, I can't fucking dance. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's been a good line. I wish I could do. I just, I'm just not. I'm a poor, poor dancer. Yeah, I'm not much of a dancer either. You are an entertaining dancer, though. Yeah, entertaining for everybody but me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. I have, to, I have to get incredibly drunk to get out there and dance. I danced at my wedding. I did the uh, once uh, the Gangnam style. Yeah. I danced a lot at your wedding, but like I long ago got over the worrying about how it looks or whatever. And like, it's one of those things, like the less you care about whether or not you're a good dancer, probably the better you get. Yeah, And I just want to be a dancer so bad. And I know how awful I look and I can't, I cannot shut that part of my brain off. Yeah. I've never had that problem. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we had no problem grinding all over Joel. Yeah, no, no that's I, true. And then the dancing started, right? <laughs> hey, but, but women love when their men dance. So I know that together. I am, see, the, the problem is I am yep. far too aware of all these things about dance and everything it entails and all the subtext. I'm far too aware of all that. And if I get out there and I dance like I'm some kind of a mental patient, then there, women are like, mm, no. Like and your Michael J. Fox da- on Curb Your Enthusiasm? I do far more damage to myself going out there and and dancing around like Elaine on Seinfeld than I do sitting at a table going, no, I don't think I'm going to be dancing right now. That's kind. Of, that's why every time that uh, you get out on the floor, we play... Uh, oh, shit, I just... God damn it, I ruined the game. <laughs> <laughs> Burning cool down the story, house. Hansel. Heads. <laughs> cool story, Hansel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, and finally, the Bee Gees ended their one-night-only tour in Sydney on March 21st. I okay. love the Bee Gees. It must have been a short tour. Right? <laughs> Dude, right. that documentary about the Bee Gees that's on HBO is amazing. I, I never realized exactly how huge they got and how much of an impact they had. And how uh, talented Gibb was as a oh, musician. Yeah. 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 yeah, didn't impressive. Didn't uh who was the bald one? Maurice. Maurice? Maurice Gibb. Maurice. Yeah. Yeah, he uh was it him or which one of them held, holds the record for having three consecutive or four consecutive number one hits in a row? I thought it was Barry. Was it Barry? Hmm. Was it or was it Andy? Might have been Andy. I don't remember. Oh, I just... yeah, probably Andy, yeah, the youngest brother. Yeah, he was not was a he... member of the Bee Gees, but yeah, he was his own. Thang. Yeah, yeah. and he died young. I just was, yeah. I was just shocked, you know, like just completely floored. Uh, so anyway, that's music. Oh. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was, of course, The Matrix. Yep. What? Just kidding. We're going to talk more about that later, so I'm just moving right on to the 71st Academy Awards ceremony, which honored the best of 1998 in film and took place on March 21st at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, hosted by Whoopi Goldberg for the third time. Shakespeare in Love won seven awards, including Best Picture. Other winners included Saving Private Ryan with five awards, Life is Beautiful with three, and Elizabeth, Gods and Monsters, The Prince of Egypt, and the acronym of the week, WDMC, which I'm pretty sure stands for Will Destroys Mike's Cock. (laughs) Whoa. What? (laughs) Zamboni. I don't remember any of this. Uh, I almost couldn't get through that one. Oh. That explains uh, so much. I thought I erased all the tapes. <laughs> I wonder how it got that funny bend. Uh, no, sorry, that is not the title. That uh, is what dreams may come. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, Thank the show God. had the show had nearly forty six million U.S. viewers. <laughs> Prince of Egypt was a really good movie. 
Never seen that it. Was it. That was the animated one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, good music. It was. It was. Uh, uh, crap. Who did? Who did? Um, Shrek. Who did? Who? Dreamworks. Yeah. Dream, Dreamworks. Was, I think it was oh. a Dreamworks gig. But uh, good music, good animation. And Gods and Monsters, I always confuse it with. There is a like legendarily bad. I think it's a Civil War movie that has a similar title, and I can't. Gods and, and Generals. I, is that it? Yeah, Gods yep. and Generals. It's like a seven-hour movie. My Ooh. dad was a huge Civil War buff, and he went to go see that at the theater. They had a special release, and he went to go see it and everything. They had an intermission and a dinner and all this kind of shit. Yeah, you wow. guys remember Fred. Uh, same <laughs> deal. They went to see it opening night, and uh, they were uh, between, like, angry to the point of apoplexy and, like, laughing because it's like, how could it possibly be this bad? And yeah, movies well, like wonder, that, you, you stick around for the whole thing because you're like, there's no way it could get worse. If, if you wonder who the people were that take that kind of thing seriously, well, there you go. My dad was one of them. My dad mm. was a big Civil War. As he referred to the Civil War, it was the, the War of Northern Aggression. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Uh, the night before the 71st Academy Awards was the 19th Golden Raspberry Awards, and they were held in Santa Monica. Worst picture was an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. Other winners included Bruce Willis, the Spice Girls, and Leonardo DiCaprio and himself as twins in The Man in the Iron Mask for Worst Screen Couple. <laughs> That's awesome. See, uh, I loved The Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad. I enjoyed it. And the Spice Girls movie was fun. I think it was more just that the, they wanted to go for the joke. Oh, that could yeah. be. And it was like at the time, dunking on Leo DiCaprio was trendy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a combination of both. They're making fun of me, Gilbert. Jeez. Like that. That's exactly it. That's what we're talking right. about. <laughs> All right. So TV, the top shows in the land were Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, ER, Friends, and Frasier. What is oh, this, yeah. 1999? Right. That's, that's late 90s. <clears throat> All right. Tom Snyder's last show on the Late Late Show was on March 26th. The following Monday, Craig Kilborn, late of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, took his place as the show's host. What's I was going to tell you real quick, going back at a bullet point before we continue on this one. You said, that's very 1999. If you only knew how 1999 that was, in the top ten list, three of the top five spots were all Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Remember when that went, went happened? I was like, well, I'm not going to type out who wants to be a millionaire four times. What was like different versions of it? No. Remember they they went through that thing where they oversaturated it and they played it every single night? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge every night. Yeah. Yep. Unlike Tom Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) After like a a month of every night, everybody's kind of like, yeah, is everybody over this? We're all over this. Like, who wants to be a millionaire? Tom Snyder's like, me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because I forgot Tom Snyder was ever a host. Like, Craig Kilborn is the first one I can remember. Craig oh, Ferguson? Show? Yeah. Oh, Craig... Even James Corden, who I hate, but I remember him. I think my favorite out of all the late latest is got to be Craig Ferguson. Oh, for sure. Yeah. just I mean, and I've gone back and watched his old, the old stuff again, and does it hold up? Yeah, his interviews are hysterical. If you, if you have uh, Amazon Prime, there's um, a documentary that he does about being on the road, and it's it's super good. Hmm. I mean, it's great if you're a fan. It's even, you know, but uh, even if you're not a huge fan of his, it's still really interesting. I, I do like it. I should check that out. Yeah, yeah. I'm, looking, I'm adding it to my key right now. What's it? Do you know what it's called? Uh, Off the top of your head. If not, I can just think about it. It's something like Vagrant and something, but definitely check it out. I love I love Jeff, too. Jeff is funny. Jeff the, the skeleton? The yes. Yeah. Yeah, the rope. That, uh, the whole thing. I was like, well, the first time I remember I put uh, found some of the stuff on YouTube. 
And uh, I was like, I told the girls, I'm like, here, you got to see this. Well, what are we going to watch? It's kind of hard to explain. You just kind of have to watch it and go with it, and then it, then you'll figure it out. Was that that one where he was singing about being scared? It was one of the musical numbers that he did. And but anyway, also some shows that debuted this week were. It's like you know, I don't remember that at all. The Norm I do. Show. You do? Yeah, I used to watch it with Jen at the record store all the time. It was with uh, Jennifer Gray. Oh, okay. Yeah, the was, Norm was... Show. So so. Uh, Norm McDonald Show, which was just Pretty as good. great as you'd think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tenacious D. And Futurama. Wow. That's a, that's that's a fun lineup. Three of pretty, those are good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Wait, what's the one you're saying is not good? It's like you know. It's, it, it, was was okay. your standard, it was your standard sitcom fare. It wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. It wasn't Suddenly Susan. You know? <laughs> oh, well, what is? And Jennifer Grey, you know, they they did a pretty good job of lampooning her and the fact that she you know had a nose job and nobody recognized her. Cause she yep. played Suddenly her Susan. Her. The gods and generals of the sitcom world. <laughs> <laughs> Went on way too long. You needed intermission just to get through it. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue. <laughs> All right. Moving on to sports. Whoa. Held March 28th, WrestleMania 15 was the 15th annual WrestleMania professional wrestling pay-per-view event. Huh. I think I could have tightened that sentence up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Archie Bell. The main... I, 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 I get what you're saying. Uh-huh. The main event saw the challenger Stone Cold Steve Austin face The Rock in a no-disqualification match for the WWE Championship. The penultimate match saw The Undertaker wrestle Big Boss Man in a Hell in a Cell match. This event marked the final WWE appearance for Gorilla Monsoon, who died in October of that year. Okay. I had, I had to sneak death in there somewhere. I am just glad to hear penultimate used correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, the second, I did put a little right? pause in there for you that was a little it's wink second and a nod to last. You. Yeah. yeah it's the I one it was... before the last yeah so, I, I, I said it wrong one week and you know i got roasted so i figured i'd go ahead and throw it in there i'm as pretty a little sure wink and a i've nod roasted everyone else on the show for using it wrong once and i get irrationally angry about it <laughs> patrick explain to me what does the no disqualification i know what that means as as far as the words are concerned but in this case what does that mean in terms of wrestling well, you, you know you know that whole like um uh trope in wrestling of how the foreign object that he's got hidden in his trunk you know in the trunk of his pants you know yeah and he pulls it out and you know hits him in the head and knocks him out well right. in this in this match you know there's no reason to hide that foreign object it's just legal you could do like if you pull a chair out and you hit somebody in the head with it that's just legal you can just do it yeah katie okay. was watching uh, it's basically like they, they wrestle until you basically you basically until somebody quits or you pin them that's it doesn't matter what yeah. you do to them I was huh. like, Katie was watching a no no uh, disqualification match from one of the different leagues. And I was like, came in there. I'm like, is that guy got a chainsaw? <laughs> I want like, to watch that. What is happening? Why does he have a chainsaw? She's like, it's a no disqualification. I'm like, but no disqualification. Does that mean like, it doesn't mean not going to jail. Yeah, just, <laughs> dismemberment is on the table now. Yeah, but he's like chasing him in circles around the ring with a chainsaw and all that. And, but you yeah, know, Because all that footage you see of them, like, you know, setting things on fire and hitting each other with a bat and all that kind of stuff. Those are all no disqualification matches. Yeah. Fun fact. I once played no disqualification croquet with Matthew. <laughs> You did. <laughs> he still walks funny. And I still remember that. You <laughs> Joel turning to my mom go, just letting you know, Josh is chasing your your son around the backyard with a croquet mallet. And she just went, he's tough. <laughs> and then suddenly, you know, Randy Orton comes out of nowhere and RKO's Josh into the grass. <laughs> True story. Randy, Randy <laughs> Orton lived in this neighborhood. He doesn't. He just stopped by. He 
just heard the words no disqualification just showed up. I'm down. And then finally, the, the 1999 NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Championship game was played on March 29th between Duke and Connecticut. UConn won 77-74 in their first ever final appearance. That's going to do it. Nah. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Getting wetter every time. Yeah, every time right? it's getting, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that. I'm like, every time it's getting more wetty. wetty. You like it wet. It's getting more wetty. More wetty? wetty. I said that. I don't know why. <laughs> wetty fop. Wait. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. So, years 1999, all of us had seen the trailers. All of us had seen the previews and the chatter was about on the then-fledgling trying-to-get-spoilers-out-into-the-world internet. And uh, The Matrix came out. If you are not aware of this movie, I'm, you know, go see it. And I'm a little curious how. But uh, summary on this one is when a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers a shocking truth. The life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, so this is... When when I first heard about this one, it was like, okay, so you've got um, Ted, Ted, nah, Ted, yeah, Ted Theodore Logan, the purple cowboy from the Pee Wee Herman show, Cowboy Carl, Cowboy Carl, Cowboy Curtis, Cowboy oh, Curtis. Curtis, yes, Curtis. Cowboy Curtis, and this in a sci-fi dark future adventure. It was kind of like, okay, I'm you know, I'm that's curious. Let's see where this goes, type of thing. But uh, this was directed by the Wachowskis. Written by the Wachowskis, uh, starring Keanu Reeves as Neo, Lawrence Fishburne, the purple cowboy, as Morpheus. <laughs> Carrie, I mean, that was the thing is like, because the Pee Wee Her Herman show was like just had finished a year before, hadn't it? That I don't know. Yeah, I think it was, but it was one of those stupid shows that we watched. <laughs> um, oh, geez. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, uh, yeah. Memento, something else that she was in, Hugo Weaving. As Agent Smith. Who's Gloria, that guy? I know, right? <laughs> Gloria Foster as the Oracle. Joey Penton. Pantel, I always call him Joey Pants. Joey Pants. That, that was the Joey other thing. Pants. That was the other name uh, that was in there. So you got the Purple Cowboy. You've got Bill from Bill and Ted. And then you've got the younger brother from Goonies. The younger uh, uh, Fratelli brother from Goonies. All in this sci-fi adventure type thing. It was kind of like weird. Uh, Marcus Chong as Tank. Julian Arha. Arahanga as Apoc, Matt Doran as Mouse, Belinda McClory as Switch, and Anthony Ray Parker Jr. as Dozer. No, that's that's not he is not a junior. That would be sad if it was. Okay, uh, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to roll over you while you were rolling on the cast. Pee Wee's Playhouse entered in nineteen ninety. Oh, it did. Yeah, it was uh nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety. It was a shorter run than I thought. Man, I must have been catching it on reruns or something because I remember watching it in middle of the day type of thing yeah, it was a cult show that continued on like official reruns stopped in 91 but like it popped up again in syndication yeah i'm well, sure it's another one, i think it's another one like the mr bean show it's like you think there's all these different shows because you think of like the one where they had the the marine band or the marine choir singing and all that other stuff and then you realize there's only the, that those few shows like i think there's only like 12 actual episodes or even less of mr bean but everyone remembers, thinks that there's so many more of them. Mm -hmm. So, Rob but, Zombie used to work for Pee Wee's Playhouse. Who did? Rob Zombie. Oh. He was a production assistant on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh he also God. worked for an octogenarian porn magazine, but, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. There you go. Okay, this so has been some... Rob Zombie Facts. So, 
<laughs> unsubscribe. Thank you for subscribing to Rob Zombie Fix. So some trivia on this one. To prepare for the scene where Neo wakes up in the pod, Keanu Reeves lost 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to give Neo an emaciated look. And also slept in jelly just to get used to it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, after the lobby shootout, that's probably the best scene in the whole movie, uh, the camera pans back showing the aftermath of the gunfight. A moment passes and a chunk of one of the pillars falls off. This was not planned. This just happened and they were like, that's perfect. Keep it. Yeah, that's a perfect, perfect little happy accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all the scenes that take place within the Matrix have green tint as if you were watching them from a, through a computer monitor. For the young guns who listen to the show, back when we had computer monitors that only showed green. That's why that's green. No, we didn't have these funky colors. We just had CRTs that were green. Uh, scenes in the real world have a blue tint. Blue was also used as a, at a minimum within the Matrix, since the directors thought blue was more of a real-world color, despite, ironically, blue being often the least occurring color in nature. I guess unless you would look up. Uh, the fight scene between Morpheus and Neo, which is neither in the real world nor in the Matrix, is tinted yellow. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the studio insisted on a great deal of explanatory dialogue as they described the screenplay as the script that nobody understands. And that sucks because I know that they insisted on what you've heard repeated over and over on the Internet, how like talking about turning humans into batteries, it was originally supposed to be turning humans into processors, which makes sense. Mm hmm. But people are like, well, no one knows what a processor is. No, it's, you don't know what a processor is, and you are allowed to make decisions. Yeah. Good job, Copper Top. Uh, this also won all four of the categories it was nominated for that year at the Academy Awards. This is the largest clean sweep of nominated categories for a film that was not nominated for Best Picture. So it won Best Film Editing, Best Sound, Best Effects, uh, Best Effects Sound Effects Editing, and Best Effects Visual Effects. Okay, yeah. I was like, that's six categories as I was reading it. Yeah, there's some weird commas there. Yeah. Yeah. I should have put a colon in there. Yeah. yeah. But that's kind of like a rule of thumb. Always put a colon in. The filming of the helicopter <laughs> scene nearly caused the film to be shut down. They flew the helicopter through restricted Sydney airspace. Laws in New South Wales, Australia were subs- subsequently changed to allow filming to proceed. <laughs> Can we impressive. fly there? Yeah, we'll ask forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, here I talk about somebody sitting there with a checklist while watching the movie. In the first 45 minutes of the film, Neo has 80 lines. 44 of these lines are questions, averaging roughly one question per minute. Really? I, as far as IMDb is concerned. That's interesting. Did you, fact, did you fact check that, Mike? No, I did if not. If you're talking about a bunch of explanatory dialogue, though, it kind of makes sense because Neo doesn't know shit. And the people that could tell mm-hmm. you what's going on would have to answer someone right <clears throat> true story that makes sense whoa so i recall seeing this at the lake theater uh i i remember seeing this movie and i remember when i walked out of the theater i i know this is going to sound stupid but i remember walking out of the theater and like the whole world looked a little different to me like you felt like maybe you know you could run and jump over a car or some crazy shit it was kind of a kind of a like a a big like game changer in terms of, of filmmaking. Those of you fans, if you want to check our injury show, that's how Joel broke his collarbone <laughs> coming out of the matrix and immediately trying to jump over a car. <laughs> it's it's not true, but it could I'm be. the chosen one. <laughs> I was driving the car. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to run him over. 
Yeah, accurate. So, but no, I I'm I'm the same with you, Joel. It's like when after I saw this one, I was um I don't say it, it altered my view, but I think it altered my thinking of what movies could do, like the whole bullet time thing. And I remember watching all the documentaries, and I bought like the super duper big box set that has like the actual film cut of the cut of the film inside a, a mounting thing and whatever uh with the soundtrack and all things that was the other thing the soundtrack in this movie was amazingly good fit See, really well I'm, I'm pretty sure i saw this in the theater but i my more crystalline memory is that it was one of the first two dvds i ever saw and we're not going to talk about the other one it wasn't porn it was just big mama's house and i don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> what about you pat yeah i saw this in the theater during the first run yeah I think we a few different times, yeah, here and there. This is, I think, the fourth time I've seen it. Okay, but I was going to say, I think all of us have. Yeah, I've never seen either of the sequels, but I I enjoyed this movie, so I saw it. This this was the last Keanu Reeves movie I saw before I began my uh, my band abstinence. Yeah, was it the one that caused it? No, no, I watched it in spite of this. Okay, in spite of wait, so you did not see Reloaded or? Uh, yeah, Revolution. He, just said he, he hasn't seen this. Resurrection or what? Yeah, or yeah. No, I did not see. I did not see. I hope he saw Resurrection because that's what we're talking <laughs> about. The second half. <laughs> oh, that's the th- okay. That's the fourth one then. Yeah. He's going to watch it on the break. Okay. So, so the seal is broken, so you can watch John Wick now. Yeah, I already watched John Wick. We went over this. Didn't what? We? No. Yeah. 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 I, I knew this. that you talked about you were going to see it. I didn't know that you actually had gone through with it. Yeah. yeah. And and his assessment what? was ready. I talked to him about this. Was meh. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. <sighs> it, which means i mean i didn't hate it i mean but it was it was just exact yeah it was a, it was a you know i mean i was very shocked that the, the dog thing happened in like the first couple minutes and it was that i was like okay and then he went on a rampage and then it was over i'm like yeah okay that was what i thought yep okay we must have talked about this like right after we did bill and ted or something i do not remember this i at remember all. us talking about you broke the seal on bill and ted now because i was like i'm having a deja vu black cat walking through the room moment when <laughs> i'm saying you broke the seal and can now watch john wick yeah That's, i, I was done definitely bill and ted yeah. Yeah. yeah it was right after bill and ted like like li- literally within the week hmm. something else about this right. uh this movie yes all the intersections and streets that they talk about are actually intersections and streets in chicago but they don't actually cross, correct? Uh, I know the like, first one is Lake, and, make Lake and Well. Oh, Sometimes that's... it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that's pretty. Yeah, but they're cool. all they're they all Chicago cross. streets. Yeah. Well, the Wachowskis I, I... are Chicagoans, I believe, aren't they? Yeah, because I recognize the street names, but I didn't even think about it. But yeah, but yeah, that's cool that they picked the streets that don't cross. That's a cool little touch. So. But yeah, no, I mean this this was a a, a game. I was saying game changer, but it the it's another one of those situations where like like Star Wars where suddenly everybody in the movie industry realized they had a hell of a lot of catching up to do because somebody went for a sprint on effects and that sort of thing. Like the whole bullet uh-huh. time thing is it it got overplayed so many times over the next 10 years. But it, I think it held up better than something <laughs> like immediately uh, people criticize Avatar, even though they're like, you know, it's gorgeous. It's, it's advancing filmmaking in a visual way. And while the Matrix story wasn't necessarily like, mind-blowing groundbreaking the best part it was good it was serviceable mm-hmm. and it had these amazing effects so i think that's one of the reasons why even at the time like everyone loved the matrix and even the people who liked the avatar were like yeah i like the avatar i guess well i mean that's the thing is like every was it is avatar still the like the number one grossing movie of all time 
but uh, nobody can tell you who the main characters are. I haven't I even think seen it, was it. Dethroned by uh, Endgame. Oh, okay. And Patrick, but... to oh, I'm sorry to answer your question, uh, Lake and Wells actually does cross. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, it's right about where the river splits. I mean, how do you even talk about the Matrix without <clears> just <throat> saying like falling into the oh wow this scene was so cool or like maybe we have to break down like what was your favorite scene and what what if anything was something that didn't work for you. Just to fall, not fall into that, like, oh my god, this moment was so great. Well, well, not even. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh, or whoever's going to whoever's going to talk. I was going to say no, that was me. Thing but... That got to me was uh, that I really been, was paying attention with on this last last viewing was motivations of characters. You know, like why is everybody doing what they're doing? You know, it's Neo is the main character, but he's not. He's just like the cart that everybody else is riding in, type of thing. Because you've got. Uh, um, Cypher, who's the big turncoat on this, like motivation for him, he's just is sick and tired of being in the real world. He just wants to go back where he's warm, you know. Right. His the whole reasoning behind him, you know, you've got Morpheus, who's the street preacher type character that's showing everyone the way, and his character morphs as you go into the other two movies. But I was just paying attention, like Agent Smith is learning, is breaking free from his constraints, and it's kind of like the uh, yin and yang to neo who's also breaking free from his constraints which they well, talk about more later on in the, in the other movies yeah i mean they're basically op- opposites they're taking the same path but two different reasons and directions i mean it's it's just another it's another christ story like star wars and like so many other films you know it's that basic template that they use to tell the same story of uh you know a character who pays the ultimate sacrifice to save everybody. But I, I just remember that this film kind of changed the landscape of science fiction and movie making. And I love all three of these films, despite kind of the, the hate that the latter two of them get, I think un, not unnecessarily in some cases, but these are some, of, some of my favorite science fiction films. And as I was rewatching them with Laura, I, I think I surprised her at how much I like was just quoting everything in the movie I'd seen it so many times. Yeah, it's a thing. It's interesting just to uh, bounce off of both of your points. Uh, Mike left out uh, one character in terms of motivation, <laughs> and I think it's it's telling because it, it factors into the other thing I was talking about uh, about things that didn't work for me. Uh, and it's something that is very, very 90s and looks a little cringy now is they kind of did Trinity dirty. Like she is a total badass until she needs to not be to advance Neo's story. And that's that's rough. Like and this was pretty common in the late 90s and even 2000s where you'd have this they pay lip service to having a strong female character to then basically put make her a damsel in distress as soon as the dude the main dude's story requires it but on the flip side of that the primary characters in the story are not all white dudes sure yeah it is something that is very very specific to the way movies were trying to figure out roles for women at the time that like at the time it was acceptable and it's only cringe now because we know better but i mean one problem i i will give you I want to give you this problem to try to to solve then. If you're the writer, how do you give motivation to a character whose only motivation is Trinity? Like, if Trinity is going to be her own independent thing who's capable of taking care of herself and he never has to save her, how do you give him any motivation at all? 
Well, and I'm I just mean, asking it, that genuinely, like if you were the no, writer, I, 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 that, yeah. I get that. Uh, I mean, probably the the best answer is to give her her own motivation, so she isn't just a convenient plot device. She's a character and a person. It's not that you and can what, never he have someone. He follows her motivation to do something then? Or, like, his motivation is independent of hers. Like, the problem isn't necessarily that, hey, you've got this person you care about and it forms a part of your character arc. That's that's not what's cringe. (laughs) It's the, you're presented as the ultimate badass in the first scene until it's required that you are not. So someone else can shine. I think the solution as the writer is, well, why don't you just give Neo another motivation? (laughs) Yeah, that could be. you don't have to just be like, oh, she's in trouble. I got to go, you know, save my love. Like, go, how about he, you know, has, like, maybe he just decides to save the world because that's not the dick move. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is this is definitely, I'm not the first person to come up with this trope in sci-fi and why it, it looks a little weird now, even though I generally have good feelings about this movie. But like, I, I noticed that now it's just like, huh. Yeah, that's definitely something that is super late '90s, early 2000s when they were still kind of figuring it out. I mean, they, like second to Morpheus, she's the number one ass kicker in the universe until he comes along, and then suddenly she's like, "Help me!" Yeah, I and, and I point. don't think yeah. it's like getting overly political to say that's kind of shitty. I definitely get it. Yeah. Wow, I'm not sure where to I, go with that. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to move on to my answer. Um, my, yeah. my my favorite scene was probably. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd say probably the introduction of Morpheus and the whole like red pill, blue pill, and the mirror kind of like swallowing his whole body. That whole, you know, that was just a, a great scene uh, thematically and cinematically. I just, I just really, really like that scene. Patrick broke three mirrors afterwards trying to get into the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Trying, <laughs> trying to trying find to the guy who's coding all, coding all my shit. Yeah. I'm going to come to you, man. I'm going to kick your ass. I swear if I find you. <laughs> Favorite scene? The, I mean, uh, on the way back from seeing the Oracle, when they're when they're in the apartment and he ha- uh, Neo has a deja vu moment and they're escaping through the walls, and then all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, that's that's the and, and that's the one point in the movie where I went. I don't care if he's in the Matrix or not. If somebody throws you on the ground so hard that your fo- your forehead hits a toilet bowl and shatters a toilet bowl, you're dead. that he should have been and they also another person they did dirty was mouse yes that poor kid got the short end of the stick man yeah i mean he he had this whole i was kind of excited the first time i saw it was like i was waiting for this kind of like kind of skeezy you know like hey i'm the one who made the girl in the red dress (laughs) type of thing i was kind of wanting to see like a, a pseudo redemption arc for him like he's not as skeevy as you think. He's going to come and be like the le- maybe a little bit of the last second help type of thing. Nope, gun down through a door. That kind of sucks. Yeah, he was he was one of those characters. Like when he was the first time I saw this movie, the first time he's introduced. Like here's everybody. Oh, and and by the way, this guy over here by himself is another character. I'm like, well, that guy's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes you kind of wonder if if the the kid that I I do not know his name uh, from Revolutions that's helping um, Mifune. His, you know, <clears throat> reloading his guns, that kid, if that kind of was their way of of giving you a mouse character to uh, attach yourself to that had redemption, whose storyline begins in the Animatrix and then carries through and he ends up being, you know, one of the reasons that they win the the battle of the, uh, the, the, the bay. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, if you guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
the kid that's like, you saved my life. He's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, yeah, you did. Blah, blah, blah. Now, some of the other effects that this this um, movie had on culture as a whole, everybody wanted those cool phones. Because this, this is like the, the advent of people actually carrying cell phones around. I remember everybody, that Nokia, I looked it up, Nokia 80, 8110 initially launched in 1996, but you finally saw it in, in the movies, but where it had that snap down, you know, press the button on the side and it snaps down to go to the, go to the numbers and all that, the phone that they used. Mm-hmm. You know how much that thing cost? At the a, time? At the time. Uh, how much? A $1,000 phone. I'm going to guess wow. $1,000. You are right. Well, 1,001. Wrong. Oh. $1. Josh wins. <laughs> Damn it. But they also have, uh, they've got a banana phone like that also, that Nokia. Made. Ring, 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 yeah. ring, ring. Uh, what is it called? It's the it's the new 8110. Banana phone. And it, but yeah, it comes in yellow and black, but it has that snap down keypad. It's kind of a, it's not a smartphone. It's a. A dumb phone. Well, I actually wonder if this movie inadvertently caused me to get my first cell phone because I can't remember what my first <clears> one was, but I know my second was the Razor, which came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So it's not out of the question that I got my first one in 2001. Um, can we can we also talk about the amazing uh, stunt work that uh, Yun Wu Ping had uh kind of choreographed and also the fact that all of these people learned how to fight um, for the movie so that their face was the one that was actually doing the fighting and not the stunt work necessarily, but the actual fighting. And I mean, Keanu went so far as to permanently injure himself <laughs> making these movies. What did he do? I mean, that's, that's impressive. You can't just uh, drop something like that and not follow it up, dude. How did he injure himself? I mean, yeah, he lost an eye. <laughs> he's um, shorter that's how he yeah, he lost his right leg he is <laughs> um well he he had uh like a spinal cord injury that caused some paralysis which has since caused him to have a limp so if you watch him in movies now he kind of walks kind of with a a weird gait like not not quite like he's like you know john wayne kind of you know kind of thing huh. but he's, but he's got, got kind a, he's of got a little hitch in his get along now yeah a slight limp that is permanent because he injured himself doing you know because they were doing all the wire work yeah, yeah. and the kung fu and whatever else that they had to learn the gun work and everything for these movies which incidentally if you've not seen the video on facebook and i'm sure it's on youtube of keanu with the gun training for fucking john wick ah dude is breathtaking nice i had to throw that in there somewhere but it's true yeah, the dude is like takes it all actually very seriously. He's an actual Buddhist, and he knows that weapons training, and he knows real kung fu. He's got certification in kung fu. Yeah, I think he figures if I'm gonna do this for the movie, I might as well do it right. Right, and then you've got people like Hugo Weaving that are like, "Kung fu, I have to learn kung fu." What? And then here he is, you know, kicking everybody's ass too. Well, Hugo Weaving in this was a hundred percent part of the reason why I enjoyed it. He is makes an amazing villain. Agreed. His, the cadence and the Mr. Anderson and just the the whole presence of Smith in this is menacing. And he, to he's cut so into, cold. Yeah, he's cold and he's got this whole um, egotistic. I'm better than you. You you know that whole that whole thing going on. Now, Pat, you didn't see the. You haven't watched the sequels, Joel. I know you watch them. Josh, it's been a while. But the guy who plays. The uh, I forget his his code name, but the guy who gets possessed by Agent Smith in the real world, 
pulls it off amazingly well. Doing like his like basically like an impression of yeah of Hugo he does, weaving yeah he does a Hugo weaving impersonation in yeah. the real world when he's talking to Neo and he I mean he gets it a hundred percent I mean it's a different voice it's a different body but he's you know in expressing who he is to Neo when they're fighting inside uh, the Nebuchadnezzar was like just this perfect uh, Im- imitation of Hugo weaving as Smith yeah and that's like uh, there you go you have just told you my. Number one thing that I enjoyed of the sequels. That <laughs> I don't know the the uh, the mechs and the whole battle in the bay with uh, all the, uh, the okay. Squiddies. The mechs were cool. Yeah, I like I the mean, mechs. I like the squiddies. I don't love that they can build mechs but can't make new clothes. <laughs> they're spending yeah. all the money on the mechs. It's, it's fucking weird that they're all in rags and can make uh, mechs. It stuck out to me at the time and it bothered me. Uh, I, I thought the rave orgy scene was maybe just a little too long. It was not inappropriate. It was just too long. It was yeah. way too long. I mean, they were trying to kind of make it a lovemaking scene with Neo and Trinity and also the rave scene, but they could have they could have edited that differently and made it a lot shorter and just as effective. Yeah. Well, that's or, also but... somebody that's been to an orgy because orgies usually do go on too long. <laughs> and, okay. And also imagine the smell. But Josh, <laughs> with the clothes thing, I agree with you. It's like after the second movie, somebody get Neo a new sweater. Yeah. And, like, there were a lot of good ideas. I like the architect. I like the idea of the Merovingian, the twins, uh, all of these other characters that they're bringing up. And then they make some baffling choices, like Neo randomly being able to affect the real world with his powers. And no, we're not going to explain it because fuck you. Well, I feel like I felt like that whole point was that once he entered Agent Smith, they basically their DNA meshed. And Neo came out of it with some of his abilities and he came out of it with some of Neo's abilities. And therefore he was able to go into the real world and Neo was able to affect the robots in the real world because they had basically became. They became uh, a bridge for each other. Yeah, Yeah. they were. They were then both carrying parts of each other permanently because of that connection. Yeah, but like it didn't seem like he was just affecting the robots in the real world. It appeared that he was affecting reality. And I I was like, I'm okay with this so long as we get an acceptable explanation in the third one. And we didn't. And that alone was probably enough to ruin the second two movies for me. Yeah, there were some. I think the second two movies were a case of Warner Brothers going back to the Wachowskis and going, That was amazing. You made us all the money. What's next? And they went, Right. We got something up. We, we got something right that we got. We're doing it right now. We've got an idea that we're scribbling. You know, frantic scribbling. <laughs> yes. And then the end of the first, the end of the second one, where you, you, Pat, I'm not, I'm not worried about spoiling anything for you, nope. but no, it's like no. the guy who, uh, gets Agent Smith into the real world, and Neo are in the in the med lab together, next to each other, and they're both in a coma. And it go, and then it goes, you know, it shows both their faces. Dun dun dun. To be concluded, and that's how it ended. But I mean, they had they were shooting them simultaneously, and they had announced that it'd be six months between. Yeah, but I remember being in the and theater, and like that popped up, and you you know, this one guy in the back of the theater goes, "What the fuck." She was in the theater with background Phil? Yeah, he was background Phil. Him and I have gone back for a long time, man. Oh, they go way background. Uh, But yeah, and the other thing I remember (laughs) is. (laughs) 
I hate myself for laughing at that. That's right. <laughs> but the other thing I remember from the the sequels is we went to see. Let's see the second one. I don't. I don't even know the release date. But either the second or the third one, we saw while Susie was still pregnant with Sophie, mm-hmm. and it was like, yeah, we're gonna go see. It was late in the term. You know, we've got maybe about a month and a half, two months left, and before she's popping out and all that. Okay, we'll go see the Matrix movie. It should be fine. We go in there, and the movie it starts up, and it goes that whoom. And I remember Suzanne taking her coat and covering up the belly. You know, it's like, but uh, you know why. Why? Because it was yeah, so she, freaking loud. She was afraid it was going to... I don't know. I mean, it was just... I mean, because I'll tell you this. Sophie was kicking through the whole thing. <laughs> so See, it changed her, too. I, you know, who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Get a little bit of Agent Smith and my daughter. Whoa. Ew. Stop. Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> Phrasing. Note, note to self. Rewind. Check that. Cancel that. All right. Let's go. So we go to the break now, I think. Yeah. Perhaps it's a good time. <laughs> Before Patrick Mr. Anderson. Mr. We want no elaboration oh. from Patrick. We will go directly to break. Right. We're done. We'll be back in a little bit and talk about. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> wow. All right. Back for Matrix 2021. Resurrections. Yeah, reproductions. No, stop it. So, we are, it's 2021. The Wachowskis have made, or the one Wachowski has made The Matrix. Re, uh, re, reboot? Resurrections. Resurrections. Not a reboot. Continuation. A, a forequel. It's a sequel, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, along with the Wachowski... This is uh, also got David Mitchell. Yeah, this is Alana without Lily. Yes. Correct. There's only one involved in this one. And uh, David Mitchell, who helped on the writing, who has done Cloud Atlas, writing in Cloud Atlas and Sense8. And then uh, Alexander Hemon, who has done this Sense8 and something called Love Island. So... Okay. I honestly didn't know Cloud Atlas and Sense8 had anyone on the writing staff aside from the Wachowskis. So that's interesting that these are collaborators <laughs> of other post-Matrix things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we've got this one. Again, we got Keanu Reeves coming back as Neo and Thomas Anderson. Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity slash Tiffany. Yaha Abdul Mateen II as Morpheus and Agent Smith. Jonathan Groff as Smith, Jessica Henwick as Bugs. Hang on, before we blast what? past Jonathan Groff, because Sarah called this out when I missed it. Jonathan Groff, I was like, why do I recognize this guy? If you're a Hamilton fan, he's King George. Oh. Oh, Good he's catch. also the voice of Kristoff in Frozen. <clears throat> yeah, Let so musicals are his thing, but like without the white powdered wig and crown, I didn't recognize him. I'm like, why do I know this dude? All right. I Jesus. All right. Also, Jessica Henwick as Bugs. Neil yeah, Patrick Harris she's... as. Hang on. Another one I want to talk oh. about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jessica Henwick. Uh, she was uh, MCU. We're uh, talking uh, Kath- uh, Kathleen Wing and uh, Nymeria Sand from Game of Thrones. The uh, best I, part of Iron Fist. Yeah, Colleen Wing. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I want to see more of her. And now that we're starting to see some of those Netflix shows leak into the MCU, I have a little bit of hope we might. Yep, there's some rumors. Yeah. 
I have not seen anything but the first season of Game of Thrones, so. All right. So, Neil Patrick Harris. Pause for Josh. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's... He's great. Uh, As the analyst. (laughs) For those of you Uh, who haven't heard of him. Yes. Do you want to go on with that? Tell us about his career, Patrick. Uh, Doogie Howser. There you go. Thank you. How I Met Your Mother. Yep. Yep. Harold and Kumar. Beloved uh, character. Well, I'm not really a character actor. He's a lead actor. Uh, Charismatic. uh, Starship Troopers. Triple threat, you know, sing, dance, act, do it all, man. And he's pretty, pretty hard to find people that don't like him. Correct. Okay. Also, Jada Pinkett Smith as Niobe, again, coming back for that role. Uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas as Sati, which I thought was a great callback uh, to the little girl that was in the crossover train station. Different actress, but it was cool. No, I know right. the character. That's I'd bring in the character back. And it's weird to see the Jonas stapled on to Priyanka Chopra's name. Like, I know she married a Jonas brother, but... Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> I mean, I would... At least I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Maybe she just okay. randomly uh, married... No, Nick Jonas. Yeah, I was Nick right. Jonas? Okay, cool. Uh, we got Christina Ricci from out of nowhere as Gwen Devere. We had to go back and, like, wait, which one was she? And I figured it out eventually. Yeah, she uh, uh, she was really... <clears throat> I don't say abrupt, but yeah, a blink and you miss it part. Where at the time I was like, I recognize her. Why can't I figure out who that is? We got well, her. plus the the hair and uh, you know she didn't Just, look like herself. Yeah, and she wasn't presenting as Christina Ricci roles that we remember her in as the office, you know, business lady type type thing. Um, also, Lambert Wilson coming back as old man from scene twenty three. <laughs> the Merovingian. Yeah, he uh uh no, he he when he popped up on the screen in those rags and everything, he literally reminded me like either the uh the old men at the bridge from uh Holy Grail. Little bit, yeah. Yeah. So some trivia on this one. Uh Trinity's alter ego Tiffany is now married to Chad, who is played by Chad Stalhesky. Who directed the John Wick series with Keanu Reeves? He is in fact the stunt double for Keanu Reeves in the original Matrix trilogy. Hence, both played Neo, and in a way, Trinity is married to Neo. That's I knew I recognized him from somewhere, but I I did not catch that because I'd seen him in some making of stuff uh, for yeah. John Wick, but I I totally missed that. I was like, that guy looks familiar, but that's cool. Yeah. So uh, Lawrence Fishburne told Collider Movie News that he was not in this Matrix movie. And when questioned, he replied that someone would have to ask Lana Wachowski because he doesn't have an answer for it. Huh. So I, I don't know why they didn't bring. I mean, they have new Morpheus or Morpheus uh, Smith combo going. So I maybe they just wrote him out. I don't know. Well, I mean, there was an answer when they announced he wasn't going to be in it because that version of Morpheus died in the Matrix Online. And it was one of those, like, I don't think they necessarily were worried about how canon it was, but they could sidestep it by doing this weird uh, Morpheus Smith hybrid and have it. If you want to believe that MMO was canon, okay, you still can't. Well, they said the the video game and the MMO or everything that happened in both of those was canon because I think the video game was a bridge between the first one and the second one, wasn't it? Well, yeah, there were a couple games. Uh, Path of Neo was explicitly non-canon. It was a retelling with a happy ending. But I think you're right. They always intended the MMO to be canon, and Morpheus canonically dies in the MMO. All right. Well, there you go. 
I guess Lawrence Fishburne never played the MMO. <laughs> so uh, the first teaser was revealed via whatisthematrix.com, which was also how we found out about it back in 1999. Also included a shot of Neo's pill bottle prescribed to his Matrix alter ego, Thomas Anderson. The medication is called Ontolofloxin, which is a tweak on the series ex- exploration of ontology, i.e. the nature of being. So there you go. Human beings. Exactly. Uh, filming in San Francisco also caused irritation among residents and city workers after damage was inflicted to buildings and streetlights, as is the case with other productions like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings and Venom Let There Be Carnage. The producers had to pay $420,000 to San Francisco Police Department so they could film in the city. Ouch. So, yeah. Good job, I mean, guys. Yeah. How do you damage buildings while you're filming? And, and all that money went back in the community. Right. That all went to fixing the street lamps that they broke. <laughs> That's why there's no potholes in the whole city now. So, uh, on her very first day of the shoot in Berlin, Priyanka Chopra Jonas had to recite all the lines of dialogue that she had in the film in front of the entire cast in order to take advantage of an authentic sunset that Lana Wachowski insisted on capturing for coverage. According to Priyanka, the session lasted about 45 minutes, after which time she was so exhausted from the stress on her very first Matrix installment. Welcome to the series. Yeah. We gotta so, catch this sunset. It's interesting because the same reason why uh, Lana made this is the same reason why Larry uh, uh, Lily didn't. Uh, the, their father died. Well, both their parents died. Yeah. Like within uh, a month of each other, I think. This, this was a way of working through the trauma for uh, Lana. And, uh, I th- and the articles I read on the subject said that uh, coming back to do this sort of work was too painful for Lily. I so wondered about that. So I'm glad you, you looked into it. Yeah. All right. So first viewing for each of us. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and Which... Patrick. I, I have to just, because I'm afraid I'm going to forget this later. Uh, I feel like with the way this ended, just to go from the ending and work our way backwards, maybe, that there is a potential for sequels, another trilogy, but may not be the way they're headed. Hmm. Well, I think well, we, we obviously we, let it, left it wide open. Well, yeah. Which, spoilers, and, and incidentally. Opinions are all over the place on this one, so I'm actually curious where we're all going to come down on it. But that's putting the cart before the horse. Let's Correct. Yeah. So kind of to um, to pick up from like the end of the third movie, the end of the third movie, Neo is dead. They lead him out on this platform where it's you could almost put up big signs that say he he represents Jesus pointing at him, especially for the point at the very end. Allegory. He just all gets the arrows. Patrick, Patrick, at the very end of it, the the giant like baby face machine <laughs> it does look like a baby it does look like a baby literally goes it is finished <laughs> and i was it like does, even yeah, and, yeah. and, and in the theater i was like, like i was like night. yeah i was like come on i'm like but uh so neo it's dies battling smith <laughs> trinity's and, dead and yeah trinity gets washed hey mm-hmm. um and then so they're both dead so they get re- resurrected brought back to life and then we go back to square one and get neo out of the matrix again <clears throat> But there's this whole mind play thing, which I thought was really cool at the beginning with the idea that maybe the all first three movies were just a video game and now we're in the real world with hints that that's not quite what's going on. I thought that was really cool. 
And I, I think that's where a lot of people are having difficulty because there's such a, I mean, at one point there was almost a religious following to these films um, that people hold these so close to their hearts to kind of basically retcon it almost in a way. Uh, well, that's, there were actually, there were books written like theolo the theology of the matrix and like people took that and like ran down the hallway with it. And it's interesting. I think a lot of people, their perspective of whether this was a good movie or a good Matrix movie comes down to how much you accept one scene. And that's when they're talking about what the Matrix is actually about. And the douchiest bro of all the douche bros is like, what the Matrix is really about is bullet time. Now, this is in a lot of ways a, hey, we're sticking with the philosophy, but if what you were there for was awesome martial arts action, you're going to be disappointed by this film. And well, like maybe a little bit of finger wagging and scolding people for having that as an important part of the Matrix for them. Um, I don't know. I always prefer the cerebral aspect, so the action scenes that are not mind-blowing uh, didn't ruin the movie for me, but I I'm curious where you guys, how you guys come down on that particular line, because I, I don't know that it'll inform uh, the rest of your feelings on the movie, but I, I, so far I've seen a big correlation between people that hated that line and ended up hating the movie or liked that line and were neutral to pleasant on the movie. I think part of the problem is, um, in a way, they're kind of lampooning their very own fan base, you know, and that's a dangerous line to walk. You know, you have to be careful if you're going to satire the people that that feed you. You have to be, you know, that that you you have to be very good at it. You, I mean, you can't just you can't just be offensive. You can't just thumb your nose yeah. at them. It has to be done well. And you know, I mean, it, it, I at one point I even you know, rem, I, I at one point I was thinking I was like they're being kind of you know dickish to their fan base right now, but I think it was done well enough that it wasn't because if they had continued that whole that whole scene throughout that whole vibe throughout the whole movie, I could I could get behind that that idea that you know they're 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 being a little too um, snarky, yeah, and showing a little bit too much disservice to their fan base. But I think they I think they told the you know they told the line overall. The yeah, movie like well if that enough. dude had gotten like killed violently or something like that, and or, you know, or there had been some sort of like yeah, there's your bullet time now, kid, or whatever happened somehow with that. I think that that would have been crossing the line. But you're right, they were very close. Like because that was one of the things from the original Matrix is when everybody came out, nobody had seen the bullet time fighting before. Nobody, you know, string fighting was not something that we were familiar with. And one of the things outside of, wow, that story was amazing, a lot of people, you know, majority of people came out and said, man, the fight scenes were incredible, you know, climbing up the walls, jumping all around type of thing. And to kind of stab, make that jab at your fans. I mean, yeah, that is kind of the dude, bro. Oh, I love the Kung Fu. But I mean, there's some people that watch the Matrix and that's what they super enjoyed about it. And whether you like it or not, you know, that that is a big part of why you were successful. Well, yeah, on I that. Know. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that led us into things like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Well, I was yeah, just to, I, to continue the real quick. Sorry, Josh, but just just to continue real quick. I don't think um, that I'm going to be saying anything because it's completely gone. So go ahead, Josh. 
<laughs> I was going to say, it's not an unfair complaint to say that uh, you didn't find the uh, Neo force pushing everything satisfying when compared to the action scene in the original trilogy. That's not an unfair criticism. And like even the premature deflection of, hey, this isn't what that this one's about. This one is about the philosophical side of the Matrix and the action scenes are there because they have to be. Like, I, I get that some people would not like that. And even though I really enjoyed uh, a lot of this movie, like, I get it that uh, if you came in expecting The Matrix again and didn't like the fight scenes, I don't think you're a douche for having that perspective. Well, I mean, part of the fight scene thing is, you know, uh, Neo is, uh, sorry, Keanu is 20 years older now. You know, he what he was doing back in 1999, he's really, you know, he can't do all the stuff that he did in 99 into 2021, despite, you know, like the fighting in John Wick and all, you know, he, he's I'm sure he's in pretty damn good shape for what he, you know, for the age that he is, for all the stuff that he but does. But at the same time, his, a, a man in his 50s should not be hanging from a wire for six. Hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Sure. Well, and there's also the question of how much fight choreography can you do with the restrictions placed on filmmaking with COVID protocols? And how did that potentially affect the most like everyone needs to be all up in each other's face moments for long periods of time? Because if you're doing fight choreography, there's no social distancing. So, I, I mean, it is entirely possible that some of this was just like, okay, we can't spend eight weeks with a brilliant fight choreographer to do wire work. That's just not how movies are made right now. That we have to import from another country. Right. On top uh, yeah, of that. Of course. There were some, ha I mean, with, uh, with going over my, you know, like looking at the notes I wrote down, there's some case like, what did I write? The company he works for is called Deus Machina. Okay. I was just like, all I wrote was, ha. Huh. You know, but I mean, that is, that is a legitimate, like, game company name. I could see some. Yeah, but I mean, it's too, I think it's that was a little a too on the nose. a game called Deus Machina. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there is. There's a couple of them. Um, they also, a little tips of the hand, like when uh, the alarms went off uh, at the beginning, when they, they thought they were getting swatted. Uh, and there's a real quick when uh, Neo turns and looks over his shoulder that the reflection of his face in his computer screen is of the old man. Yeah, yep. yeah. same thing happened with Trinity too at the where you see the coffee real shop. Of Tiffany, the blonde. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was um, it was pretty. I mean, definitely they focused on it at the coffee shop, but it was a blink and you miss it type of thing in the uh, in the office scene and. I don't know about this this Morpheus. You know, you take Morpheus and Agent Smith, you mix them together, and you get a 70s swinger. See, I liked this version of Morpheus, but I was baffled by if this is the way you're going to bring back Morpheus and Agent Smith, what the fuck is going with the new Agent Smith? Like, he describes his motivation, like sort of retconning him being finally permanently written out of the Matrix at the end of the th original third one. And then he's like, well, I need you out of here so I can get at the analyst. But then mm -hmm. at the end, he goes after the analyst with Neo there. So I, I like, I don't understand his arc, the rules behind how it's all working. That was yeah, one of I, the things that didn't work for me. I was confused about who, with Smith, where his allegiance lay at any one given time in the, during the movie. You know, because one point he's shooting it. You know, like it's in the very beginning when the sprinklers are on, he's got a gun straight at Neo's head, but then he's fighting with him at, against the analyst. There wasn't a lot of explanation on the relationship between Smith and the analyst. 
Right. Like, you know, it was kind of, my feeling is everything involving New Smith didn't make sense. Yeah. And he was, did not have, I don't want to say I, w- I want Hugo weaving back in that role, but if you have a character like Agent Smith, who is known for being the villain, you know, it's like bringing Darth Vader back and putting him in a tutu, kind of. You know, it's like yeah. he's not nearly as threatening as he was in the in the first three movies, but then everyone's acting like he's super threatening. Mm-hmm. I did I didn't did not in I don't think the inclusion of Smith was a contributed that much. Yeah, and Weaving was supposed to come back. Oh, he uh, was. Yes, uh, there was a scheduling conflict. Okay. And uh, there were specific dates that Hugo Weaving wanted in order to participate in the project, and they just could not make the deal happen. Oh, that's a shame. Because it's like Hugo Weaving, that's like his character. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Niobe's old lady makeup was awful. Truth. And she does not yep. ho- know how to it act like she old. was covered in paper mache. Yeah. It, it looked like stage makeup. It looked like, you know, like college stage makeup. And whoever taught her to she was not she was acting old as if she had read about how pe- old people walk i don't think her her version of old was very good especially when they went to like the garden scene the entire presentation so- of her as an old person you said it very well was very much like college stage theater perhaps mm-hmm. Jaden was you know her coach <laughs> I, I don't know maybe i this movie i i mean i i saw people posting about it as they were watching it. And I don't think I've seen anybody that was just kind of like, it was there either. It seems like everybody either really loved it or really hated it. And it's very divisive. Like as far as the feelings on it. Um, Well, I mean, I'm see, there's just, just some things in this that I just could not get past. Like, okay, so you've got Zion in the, in the original three, it's this enclave of humans who are not making extra clothes for anybody, but they're building machines. They're all hiding in one spot. The, the squiddies and the robots know, you know, they know where uh, it is, but they can't get past the big gate and they need to get the codes to get in there. That, that all jived. And then finally the machines screw it. We're just drilling in there. In this one, they fly through a hologram and I'm looking at this going, how can okay? Do we find new white new ways to hide from the machines? Are you telling me the machines can't figure out that that's a hologram? Well, I mean, you do have other machines uh, now on the side of the humans, which I thought was super interesting, and I actually really liked. That was that was cool, like the fact that they made a civil war between the machines. Although that's a more interesting movie than the one we watched. Yes, I would have liked to have seen that. Yes. Uh, another question I have about Io as a place. Yes. Whose job is it to light all those candles? When Niobe was walking with Neo and they went through that cavern that had like 800 lit candles all over the place. It's a Jimmy that, candle lighter. That's got to be. There's got to be somebody doing this. Jimmy Jimmy the candle lighter must have a great gig. That all, that's something that takes me out of out of movies. He gets it's, a nickel a candle. It could be one of those things like in a Catholic church where if you were praying for someone who's died or is in trouble or hurt, you light a candle for them. But like they didn't tell us that. They just showed us a bunch of candles. Right. And then, I mean, I could buy it if it was like a prayer candle thing. That's totally, I can completely understand that. The only reason it disjoins me from it is like, I'm looking at if it is a prayer candle thing. How the hell did they get all the candles lit at the back? Who sets up prayer candles that way? You can't, I mean, it's like... They just maybe they're them all like uh, LED ones or something. I don't, yeah, I don't know, but that's I mean, it's stuff like that that, and not even just this movie, but like things like that that'll pull me out of a movie. 
just that kind of like why that makes absolutely no sense. Why would you have a 20 foot long cavern that's only lit by 8,000 candles? Stuff that is set up just to look like a cool shot takes you right out of a movie. Yeah. And there were a lot of really interesting ideas and cool things. Uh, I I loved the uh, portals that uh, put you onto a train. Uh, I thought the idea that uh, in the new Matrix, not everyone who's a person is actually a person. Some of them are bots and don't even know they're bots. Yeah, that, that was a cool. pretty cool idea. I liked that. Like when they activated the, them all and turned them into bombs, that was yeah. Pretty, and the horror of the actual human trapped in the matrix who was married to a bot and only finds out when he gets activated to jump out of the window. Yeah, that was fucked. And you just know that's playing out in, in almost every single one of those situations when everybody is hitting the floor. Well, speaking of fuck, that whole scene at the end where they're all jumping out of the windows as bombs. Yeah, all of them. That's what and we're I was, about. That's yeah. Well, I, I, I you mentioned one in particular. I, I didn't realize you were talking about the the whole sequence. Sorry, but yeah, he was saying like if any of those others weren't families of entirely programs, there are scenes of that horror going all the time when they're dropping like raindrops at the end. Yeah, which like, suddenly sure. the guy sitting at the board meeting stands up and leaps through the yeah. window for no reason. I mean, there's the humans in that meeting are gonna be like, what the? Which kind of reminded me of that scene in the happening, but with a bit more purpose. I don't if you, know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> Shyamalama Ding Dong. Um, I, 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 they basically retold the first film in a way, but not, well, not in a way. In it's, I mean, essentially. Yeah, foolish me. At one point, um, Josh's wife Sarah asked me what version I was watching because I told her I was watching The Matrix, and she's like, "What version?" And I took a screen cap, and it was the scene with his mouth getting sealed, sealed up. And she's like, "Yeah, that doesn't help." I hadn't watched the second one yet, so and then I was watching it. I'm like, "Oh, now that makes more sense." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and there's nothing wrong with that because with the the new story they're telling, you know, you have to have this kind of origin story happen to where I feel like in theory, they really could make this a second trilogy and potentially have a different payoff or take it a different route. Um, and it still be satisfying and still maintain, you know, the first trilogy is its own thing and this is its own thing, but yet mm. they do tie together. I don't know with this as split as people seem to be on this. I don't know that they're going to take that route. Well, I think the whole love is a bat. Love is the battery that powers the matrix kind of made me roll my eyes. Uh, I don't know that it was just love. I think part of this is they're trying to correct some of what I was talking about in the first half with regards to Trinity only being kind of a plot device for Neo after the first scene, where she's kicking everyone's ass. And uh, maybe they overcorrected with he can't fly, but she can. That was confusing because there was no lead up to that. Right. And and I, get, I got what they were doing and I was okay with it. I thought it was interesting. It's like their connection, it was never just him. It was the two of them together. But if the machines ever let them come together, they just fucking wreck everything. So they have to like let them almost like be in proximity to one another. And that tension of they're never getting together, but they're always in the orbit of each other's lives was enough to harness their power as the one together uh, for the analyst's new version of the Matrix. I I don't know that it makes internal sense, but I think that's what they were going for. 
You know what's funny? When when that scene where they jumped off the building and Trinity started flying, the only thing, well, not the only thing, but the first thing that popped in my head was, of course you don't have wings. You're a boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it, you know, the, I don't know, what did I, what else? Let's see. Niobe is a hypocrite. (laughs) Yeah. How the hell does anything get done in IO if all these, you know, everybody's becoming the rebel and going off to do their thing to save everybody? And it's like, I don't know. I, it's, I think Niobe as a character kind of pissed me off because it's like she's yelling at the new captain for going off and doing the exact same thing that she did before. And they kind of called her out on it a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe it's that and the old old acting, too, that just made the whole Niobe character aggravating. I think it's also telling that we've talked about it this long, and I still can't necessarily tell how we all feel about this. Yeah. Cool. I feel like there's still some unpacking to do with this. Um, I appreciate that they took something <clears throat> and took it in another direction and made it into something new while still maintaining the original aspects that made it what it was. But yeah, I still I still haven't quite figured out exactly. I think I need to watch it at least another one, two times before I can really 100% say how I feel about it. Uh, you know what I do know is that Fetus Fields is the band name I'm calling for my new uh, alternate <laughs> punk band. See, I you know have to cross how the I, fetus fields. I know how I feel about this, but I, I, I kind of want to slow roll it until we get to the thumbs up, thumbs down, because I'm frequently the first one to spoiler alert. I hated it or spoiler alert. I love it. Yeah. And the fact that it is still kind of nebulous, uh, I, I, it might make for an interesting thumbs up, thumbs down. So I think I'm going to steer clear. Huh. And Joel, you better figure it out because we're, we're going to be asking the question. Yeah, we're, it's coming well, up quick, dude. I mean, I, I have an answer for it, but I mean, in terms of long term, as I said before, you know, the first three films are are near and dear to my heart. Like, I love that trilogy. It's it's up there for me as far as science fiction, action, whatever. I just it speaks to me. Um so I was very happy to see that we were re- coming back to that world, but very concerned as far as how we were going to get there. And it was interesting to see that how they did that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad to get some other opinions on it because so far it's either I hate it, it's stupid, or I love it. That was cool. You know, it's nice to hear some actual conversation about it. Um, but yeah, I definitely have an opinion as far as which way I'm going. Well, Pat, you got anything else to add? I really like Neil Patrick Harris. See, I thought he was he was more menacing than Smith was truth he was a much better villain than smith was and uh the uh bit at the end where uh trinity is uh beating the living fuck out of him was super satisfying (laughs) yeah that was a pretty cool short to it yeah i thought at one point when when they were frozen in the air there and like neo couldn't fly i thought they were gonna try and like flip and be like you know no she was the one all along oh i mean i feel like that was kind of the point that that the analyst was kind of supposed to be the, the the true bad guy because you know smith was pretty content with things and uh i don't know i think he 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 aligned more with um neo than with the analyst and i i don't know 
Yeah, I'm, I think you know what I think I'm gonna call thumbs up, thumbs down because we're running out of running out of steam here. So I had so many <laughs> thoughts when I was watching it, and I I, I didn't take any notes because I was just enjoying the movie. So yeah, yeah, poop on me. So twice. I'll I'll I mean, Patrick, I I, I'm gonna throw it to you first. Right before we do the thumbs up, okay. thumbs down, is I'm gonna be the one one of those people that like you guys are talking about how everybody seems so divided on this. I. I'm kind of yeah. right in the middle. I mean, I don't really, I didn't really love it or hate it. I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it was, it was, it was there, you know. I it mean, was a movie. Yeah, I mean that. I'm, I'm with Patrick on this one. I'm. It was good to see the old characters back. It was, you know, it was Neo and Trinity seeing them doing their thing again. It was, it was cool. I mean, they kind of, like you said, Joel, they kind of told the same story and I think there wasn't enough new in here for me to go, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, my favorite part, believe it or not, my favorite parts of this movie were the new stuff. Like, I mean, I, like all the flashback stuff, all the showing of the old things, all the, you know, the homages, everything. I kind of got, after a while, I was like, okay, we need to move on. Like, you know, it's like, stop giving fanboy service, you know, is what it felt like (laughs) after a while. All right. So since you guys so, start, since you guys have started to explain your feelings on it, I'm I want you two to start with a thumbs up, thumbs down. What does that translate into for you? And do uh, not well, sideways your fucking thumb. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. I I obviously you know the first Matrix thumbs up. I mean it was you know everything that everybody talks about. You know it was revolutionary and well done and you know so much more than than just Avatar. Uh, even though you know revolutionary scientific you know sci-fi speaking and you know special effects speaking similar but very different so thumbs up for that and um i i mean it's a, it's a, it's a reluctant thumbs up but it is a thumbs up for the for the new one because you know it's definitely not a thumbs down clear you know i mean i i enjoyed it it was fun to watch and it was but i think it could have been better i think like josh said a lot of it was hindered by, you know, a lot of a lot of the COVID restrictions. So I think I would I would have liked to have seen this done, you know, you know, full balls to the wall. But you know, shit's got to get done. You know, we got we got to <laughs> we got to start making movies. We got to start moving on. We got to start doing some shit. So you gotta you gotta you gotta do what you get what you can with what you got. Shit's got to get done, son. Yep, that's funny. All right, now on mine again. I'm with Patrick on you know the old one. I loved it. It was great. It was revolutionary in way of movie making and effects making and all that. So it's a total thumbs up for me. I've seen it more than a dozen times over the last, you know, say five years. But for this one, uh, it's it was kind of like, imagine if you're, it's Christmas morning and your parents gave you a box. It's like the same shape as a PS5 and the same weight as a PS5. But then you open it and it's full of underwear and socks. That's kind of my feeling with it. I'm giving it a thumbs down. I'm not going to well, like Joel's like underwear and socks. I say let's say it's a PS4. It's still something good. It's still not no, it's still not horrible. It's not the worst thing you've gotten. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. So you open it up and it's a PS4, but you're like, "Hey, mom, dad, I, I already have a PS4." Yeah, right. That's like, I don't need another PS4. Okay. I've been playing I need with a PS4 5. for 20 years now, man. Yeah, give me a PS5. You know that that that's the exact that's exactly it, Patrick. That was the feeling when I watched so it. So they like, give you a PS4 but, but PS5 games. That's even worse. That's even worse. Yeah, you're make you're ruining post ruining my Christmas, dude. Shut up. Um, but no, it's like yeah. Hey, thank you very much for this. But I already I already got this, so I'm gonna give it a thumbs down on this one. I, I I'm not even gonna oh. go back to it. Ooh. Joel, ouch, wowzer. Um, I I love the world that's created. I love the characters. I I, I love Trinity. Um, I despite my kind of desire to see it again before I really 
give a hundred percent, you know, yes or no kind of thing. I'm, I'm still a thumbs up because I was happy to go back to that world. I was impressed that they were able to do something that made it different, um, made it fresh, even though in a way it was not necessarily a hundred percent, the newest concept, you know, to kind of get meta with it, but I thought it was done well. And, and I would actually enjoy seeing two more movies in a trilogy. No, 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 no. Getting meta with it. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, so thumbs up on comes, both comes down to me. Obviously the original thumbs up, like even with the bits that uh, I have tarnished a little bit with age and were more appropriate in 99 than they are now. It's, it's, no question the original is a thumbs up and the new one you know it is a deeply flawed movie and uh i spent most of the second half pointing out those flaws and dunking on it but despite that the uh interesting parts of it were interesting enough in me that this is going to come down as a thumbs up i i think i might be a little less enthusiastic than joel was somewhere in the same realm as pat uh i would like to see another one uh, I, I wish that it had been a little better and I will acknowledge Niobe was awful. I'll acknowledge that they suggested more interesting things than what they showed. Um, and that force pushing everything, including bullets is not as interesting as the Kung Fu in the first one, but like, especially the opening moments, like up to the shootout in the basically up until the uh appearance of real smith uh i was enthralled and the rest of the movie didn't manage to ruin the first 40 minutes for me so it's going to be a thumbs up although a heavily qualified one let me also clarify that it's it's a thumbs up for me for the original trilogy the animatrix and the new film we didn't ask okay i'm just <laughs> just throwing that out there just uh getting that you know, Both of on record responses were on brand for each of you so, so joel what do we have what do we have coming up next uh, hang, hang on oh wait, wait wait who did i miss oh well, no just typically this is the point at which i would say if oh. you have your thoughts on the matrix or any of the other topics we talk about uh on 40 going on 14 let us know give us a call at 708 now wrap that's 708-669-9727 Yep, and if you're looking for more of our older stuff, you can find us on pretty much any uh, podcasting directory that you can find out there, all the way from Podbean to Pandora, Amazon, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also give us ratings on any one of those and give us some support uh, in the show notes is a link to our Kofi site. Uh, just kind of help us uh, pay off the you know podcast hosting bill every year. So thank you very much, Joel. Yo. What do we got coming up? That's well, not West Side Story. That's all that's on the calendar other than, oh yeah, I forgot. It's not on the list here. Uh, it's on the calendar, but it's not on the little notes here. Uh, we're taking a visit to uh, the barrio down to uh, Sesame Street, as Dwight would call it. Oh yeah, they got the new set. There's a new Sesame Street thing coming out soon too. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, and I think we've done some talk, though we haven't officially scheduled a show. Uh, I know we're we're pretty close to prime for Harry Potter because the new documentary's been out for a little bit, and uh, not too far from the new Lord of the Rings series. So he's mm -hmm. coming. And there's uh, we also what was it in the, the music chat? There's some uh, albums. That were pretty influential back in the day that are coming up on 20, 35 years old. Good God. Oh, and also speaking of which, uh, we're creeping up on the time of the year when we do the billboard show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to be real close. Probably yeah. another three weeks for us. So, Which all is a favorite of ours and a favorite of all of yours, it seems like. Yeah. But the, the albums I was talking about, like 
Uh, 35 years old this year are Def Leppard's Hysteria, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, and Motley Crue's Girls, Girls, Girls are just three of those. So, I mean, there's some there's some good stuff coming up that we've been chatting about. And like I said, if you want to get in on what our shows are going to be, definitely join us on that Discord chat. Word. All right. But uh, in the meantime, we will be back next week. And thank you very much for listening. Dodge this. What Damn the hell? it, Joel! Stop it! Stop what? Stop posting stupid memes that are gonna actually ma- like all day long. You post stuff that doesn't make me laugh, and you save the stuff that makes them make me laugh till we're recording. It's not not cool. Yeah, stop being funny, Joel. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> do not start this shit again. I have. <laughs> <laughs> you made a turn. Ah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you sounded like an Enigma song. I did it. Kind of. I do not condone this. god man what joel's looks like one that's got the suction on it that you put on the bathroom wall just i've seen those videos jesus joel that one looks like burning man (laughs) (sighs) what fun